0: sports podcast presented by Sports. this is your host john ashkar and today with me i have my co-host jack van welcome back to the show jack
1: thank you thank you
0: this is actually our first show in a while so it's good to be back a couple quick things for the podcast first of all our twitter's kind of suspended right now just because we follow a little too many people sorry about that we're working on it to get it back up hopefully by the time we get this podcast up it will be back up Another thing is that we recently just ordered some stickers with our new logo, so if you guys comment, we will DM you, ask you for your address, and send you a sticker for free. All right, Jack, you want to get started? A lot has happened since we last talked, especially with the Cavs, the Indians, and even the Browns.
1: Yeah, for some of you guys listening, this might be uh, slightly old news, but I still want to kind of talk about it. The biggest news being the NBA trade deadline, the Cavs traded for the Pistons big man Andrew Drummond.
0: So the Cavs traded Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a 2023 second round pick, which is the best of our pick in the Warriors, for former All-Star, which is kind of a fleece in my opinion. Brandon Knight didn't really play for us, John Henson had no role, and a second round pick in the NBA is a second round pick. It's really not worth that much. It's a draft capital, but one second round pick's not big at all.
1: I agree. A lot of people were talking about how they were confused why the Pistons did this, as was I. It was a complete shocker. I don't think anybody saw this coming. But Andre Drummond, I love to have him. From a Cavs perspective, I love to have him because we were lacking that size down low.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. He will help guarding centers with our rotation. We had Tristan, who's an undersized center. Kevin Love can't even guard anyone. Larry Nance is another undersized center. So it really just gives it that size down low and especially those rebounds. He leads the league in rebounds with 15.8 a game but he also puts up 17.7 so like he's not only bringing the rebounds to you he's bringing another scoring option which is great for the Cavs and he's young too so I mean we're just really hoping that the Cavs can resign him right
1: that's the, I think that's the thing with this trade. It's kind of an irrelevant trade if the Cavs don't re-sign him. I don't think really the Pistons benefit or the Cavs benefit all that much because the Cavs aren't winning anything this year. We all know that. his In, in Andre Drummond's first game with the Cavs, we suffered our, suffered our biggest home loss in franchise history. So it's not like that really changes all that much in our playoff pursuit, but definitely hope we can re-sign him.
0: Yeah, he's someone that you want to re-sign. We have two months to test it out, see how he goes with the team. He has an option for next year for $27 million, so he could pick that up or go test the free agency market depending on how he finishes this year. Kobe Altman, this is finally a singular good move that he actually made, in my opinion, because he's not been good in the past. But I, I just really think he could help this young core and he could just be a building block for the future for the Cavs.
1: And I think he could be a huge asset. He's almost like Rich Man's Tristan Thompson in, in a way. Like,
0: Especially with Tristan leaving after this year, too.
1: Right, most likely. So what I think could actually, if we can re-sign him, I think he can actually be a really good piece in our future. Especially if we get a small forward like Anthony Edwards or a big man like James Wiseman in the draft. I think kind of that front court would be pretty deadly.
0: Andre Drummond even said he wanted to stay here, test it out. He said he likes Cleveland, he says that he wants to be wanted, and obviously the Pistons didn't want him, so hopefully we can come to a long-term contract with him. Nothing too huge, but something reasonable, because obviously he's a really talented player.
1: So absolutely, I I agree with that. In other trade deadline news, we didn't trade Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson, which were people that were were on the trade block. What are your thoughts on not moving those guys? Because I know that you are controversial when it comes to those two players.
0: Yeah, I've, I've really come to like Tristan Thompson this season. He's kind of been the heart of the team for us. He's been a huge leader, but he is gone after this year. Kobe Altman should have traded him for anything he should have gotten, anything. And supposedly he did have a deal in place with Houston, but he backed out and said no. And I think that's not smart because why not trade him? Why not get a second-round pick? That's draft capital. That's something that you could trade for. Maybe someone again like Andre Drummond. You know, I think it's a waste that we didn't trade Tristan, especially since you have Andre coming in, and then you have Larry Nance in the front court too. It's it's just and Kevin Love. It's just a, it's a packed front court, and I don't think you have room for all four of them. And it would have been nice to get something Tristan Thompson.
1: So I I agree with that point and I also disagree in a way in that I think that deal should have been made for Kevin Love in that like just get anything for him I actually think Tristan Thompson has a decent amount of value still both as like a trade piece but also as a player where Kevin Love I mean he's old he's not really gonna contribute to titles I mean he will he can but he's not you know he's not the same player that he used to be where I think Tristan Thompson I think Tristan Thompson coming off the bench could actually be a really deadly a really helpful asset, if we if the Cavs were to rebuild. Now I don't think we are going to resign him next year, but it, I think it all depends on what he's asking for.
0: Yeah, I, Tristan Tristan could be good coming off the bench for contender, but I mean neither, neither Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson uh, can't be on a team like this. They're both arguably too good for the Cavs, and we really don't have a use for them, honestly. Kevin Love th- only fits with a certain amount of teams, someone who ha- has to help spread the floor but can't really guard his own position or another position. He's a defensive liability, even on a contender or not. So he's just a huge question mark, especially with that huge contract of his. Cavs own him over $90 million in the next three years. So nobody even wants to take on that. People are asking the Cavs, apparently, for a first-round pick with him. Even though the Cavs wanted a first-round pick for him, so I don't know what the Cavs could do with him because he's not playing amazing and he has a fat contract.
1: Right. I honestly do want to take this point really quick though to defend Kobe Altman in that he actually I think he had a pretty good trade deadline like overall. You know he 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 backed. I would agree with with you. I would agree with you. He backed out of the deal with Houston, but who knows what they were offering? You know, and I think that out of any team. You know, the Cavs made the biggest splash at the trade deadline, which is, you know...
0: Surprising, re- because we have nothing to surprising.
1: win. Right, it's shocking, but like I think that was a great move. But I will I, I will defend Kobe Altman, because I know that we haven't been kind to him in the past. But also other teams around the league, the Lakers didn't make a trade, which was interesting, just because they're in a playoff push, or a title push, actually. And I mean, not not that they necessarily need a player, because they're doing just fine.
0: Anyone helps. It would have made sense. Helps. Yeah, a uh, point guard would have helped. Rondo's kind of old and out of place on that team. One player that really would have fit really well was D. Rose. But obviously they didn't want to give up the assets for him. Derek Rose is also having a phenomenal season. And he would have really helped move the ball with that team. Other news is that the Clippers, their rival, got one of the Morris twins. They got Marcus Morris. He's averaging 19-5 and 5 this year. And I think that was one of the best trades at the deadline too, along with the Andre Drummond trade, just because he makes that lineup so much more lethal.
1: I, I would completely agree. I think that was I think Marcus Morris is a really underrated player, and I think that actually has a huge effect. I don't know if you caught the Celtics Clippers game, but he played really well in that Celtics Clippers game. That the Clippers ended up losing, but it was not Marcus Morris's fault by any means. So I think that just makes their lineup more deadly than it was before. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that Western Conference for sure. And so in a little bit more recent news over All-Star weekend, Colin Sexton ended up getting put into the Rising Stars game, which he was originally snubbed from, but he called out, yeah, absolutely. So Colin Sexton had 21 points on 9 of 14 shooting, three of six from three-point range, he had five rebounds and three assists. He was the fourth high scorer, and he, was, he definitely had a case for Rising Star MVP which went to Miles Bridges, but Colin Sexton was probably a close second.
0: Yeah, uh, he balled out. He showed why he should have been there. It was really nice to see him finally get some recognition and then go out on that big stage and just continually prove himself because there's always people doubting him. There's The Twitter community doesn't really seem to like him. People, analysts, Writers, journalists, they don't like him. Me and you have supported him throughout all this, and it's just really nice to see him go on that big stage and just ball out. You know, shoot 50% you could from just, three you in could, the game. Right,
1: right. And you could tell, like, he works so hard. I have no worries about Colin Sexton. You know, he's not – he didn't come into the league like John Morant, like super hyped up. Uh, he was he was hyped up, but he's not like – you know, he didn't come and light up the league. But I think he's very quietly uh, – very – solid young talent in the NBA right now. Yeah, and he's I only
0: 21 years old, too.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I would, I'd love to see that performance, and I'd love to see him continue to grow. Other news over the All-Star weekend, though, regarding the Cavs. Which is, is not
0: so good news.
1: Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about John Beeline?
0: Yeah, so Coach John Beeline, who actually just started this year with the Cavs in his first season, also his first season in the NBA out of Michigan, reported, or was reported, that him and the Cavs could have a breakup and that breakup could even be happening right now over the All-Star break. I
1: think that's kind of ridiculous in my personal opinion. I don't know what you think, but I mean, here's here's my take on that. Like if you're John Beeline, what did you really expect coming into the season? Like did you expect to make the playoffs? I mean, he has not really delivered with the talent that we have to be the second or third worst team in the NBA is not I wouldn't call that a success by any means, but to not even see out the season, I think, is ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a Michigan basketball fan, and I love John Bieland at Michigan. I think he's great at developing talent, at least at the college level. So I really hope we can he, he'll finish the season and potentially even do one more season. I know some people don't love him, and I know that he hasn't really lived up to expectations, but... I think this is similar to the the Browns like how are you about to move on from a guy so fast? It's like you got to give him a chance to to really establish his system and what he wants to get done. There's been controversy about line all year with the way he coaches. And I just think if if these players can really buy in and we can start to get up, get some wins, I think this whole thing can turn around for him and and the team.
0: Yeah, I mean that all sounds good. I I think one thing that we're both leaving out too is I don't think there's Direct success when you're transitioning right from college to the NBA. There's definitely going to be failure with that, too. And we've talked about that even with the Browns. Like, if they wanted to go hire Lincoln Riley, like, there's going to be a time where they need to change, where they need to adapt, where they need to learn the big leagues, you know? So I think John Beeline, yes, he has had that time, but still, half a season is not a lot for a coach. If you think about it, you can feel bad for these players, too. Colin Sexton. Chetty Osman. They've had three different coaches in the past two seasons. Beeline's gone make that four. After this year that would be five because they would go out and hire someone else. So how, how could you just keep doing that to your players too? Your players can't develop, they can't grow, they can't become a team when you have five coaches in the span of two years. That's just not going to work. The Cavs organization might not have fault in this. This might all be beeline, but I think they have to do whatever they can to keep him for the rest of the season because that could really hurt with the team development.
1: In team culture too they see their coach get fired it's, they're not going to be motivated to do anything to work hard to win games with anything I mean I love that point you made about his transitioning into the, into the NBA It's like you said it's going to be a transition anytime a coach of any sport makes that that jump so I definitely hope that the Cavs can keep Beeline at least for this season potentially more and I hope we can at least give him a, a fair opportunity to show what he has
0: Jack, you want to talk about a winning team in Cleveland right now?
1: Yeah, so the Browns and the Cavs are not... They're not uh, they so didn't, great. They're, they're having not so underwhelming hot. seasons. They're not so great, right? But the Indians still have a little bit of hope. And the, with the season starting up, there's some interesting news coming out of the Indians' camp right now.
0: Yeah, so last week the pitchers and catchers reported, and we are all super excited for that. But coming in with some really... Hurtful news for the Indians. The Indians lost Mike Clevenger to a torn meniscus in his left knee, and he's projected to be out six to eight weeks. He was on crutches, and he recently just got surgery. Clevenger talked about how he thinks he can beat the timeline, but I don't know how worth it is for him to rush back, especially since it's the beginning of the season. We can afford for him to be out two weeks, even though the division is going to be harder this year. But someone like Clevenger, you want them to come back full health, just because you know he could be Cy Young caliber pitcher,
1: right? And you know it kind of continues this trend for the Indians over the last year or two with like all these injuries, right? You know we lose all these especially all the these pitchers guys. too, yeah. Right, pitchers especially. With that said, I think Clevenger he should be back. He he hopefully opening day, but probably he'll probably miss a week or two mm-hmm. if if he stays on that timeline. With that said, I hope he just comes back healthy and he's ready to go early on because, like you mentioned, the division's going to be a lot harder this year. And we're going to need every every start. Every win, yeah,
0: every win, every start. You have a stocked-up White Sox, you have a stocked-up Twins. And, I mean, Clevenger, after two starts last year, missed a couple months. The Indians started the whole month of April last year without Francisco Lindor. So we can still win without our big players. We just really need them this year. So, right, if, we
1: to be that, if we want to be that 2016 caliber team, we're going to need uh, everyone to be healthy for sure.
0: Yeah, so with Clevenger out, you could start the season with the five-man rotation without him. So our options would be Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Plezak, Aaron Savale, Adam Plutko, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie, and Scott Moss. So those are all the starting pitchers on our 40-man roster, obviously not all of them will be in the starting rotation. Jack, right, right, Who do you think our starting rotation will consist of?
1: I think, I mean, obviously, Bieber, Carrasco, hack But, I mean, it gets a little bit hazy from there. Tristan McKenzie's obviously a young star, but is he ready to kind of take on a full role with the Indians? We, we traded for Logan Allen. From the Padres, be, yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting to see who makes that. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so... Obviously, you're going to start off with Shane Bieber with Carrasco out. He'll be your starter. He's a young stud, a young star, and hopefully we can sign him to an extension soon. And then you go to someone like Cookie Carrasco, who the Indians want to pitch full-time as a starter, and he also wants to pitch full-time as a starter. Cookie Carrasco's a tough guy. He doesn't want anyone to treat him softly because of what happened last year, and that's major respect to him. He just wants to go back into the role that he came with last year, and it's just major respect. Then, obviously not your third starter, but you have to include Adam Pluckto in that five-man rotation because he has zero options left. So the Indians either have to put him in on that starting roster or he gets designated for an assignment. So do you put him in the bullpen? Does he have a good spring training, you put him in the five-man? Or does he have a bad one and you designate him for assignment? So that's a big question, but ultimately I think he'll be in there. And then I think you put the two young guys of Zach Pleszak and Aaron Savali in there. They both stepped up in a huge way last year for the Indians, and I think they'll be on the opening rotation this upcoming season with Clevenger out. So guys like Jeffrey Rodriguez, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie, and Scott Moss will not quite make it. They'll have different positions in the organization or in the bullpen. So with the, yeah.
1: I do think we're deep, though, in that like a lot of those guys that you mentioned probably weren't going to make it. They they There's a lot of talent in that pool.
0: Yeah, a ton of talent. A lot of young so, talent. Tristan right. McKenzie and Scott Moss could both be a triple-A. And then Logan Allen could also be a triple-A. And Jeffrey Rodriguez I've been talking about putting him in the bullpen with his 98-mile-per-hour fastball. So the Indians have depth, but obviously you would want someone like Clevenger back.
1: Absolutely. So another big controversy or issue with the Indians or last year was what? outfield and outfielder production. So we made a lot of moves. We have a lot of outfielders all vying for a spot on the team. What are your thoughts on that? how that final roster is going to shake out? Yeah, so
0: the Indians last week, on the same day, they announced that Mike Clevenger was hurt. Or well, actually, like in the same news feed, in the same tweet, they also announced that we signed outfielder Domingo Santana. He's from Seattle. He hit in the 250s last year with 25 home runs. He is a decent player, but he also struck out third most in the league. So that also comes with him. The Indians have 10 guys. It's Greg Allen, Jake Bowers, Delano DeShields, who we got in Corey Kluber trade. Daniel Johnson, who's a prospect, Jordan Luplo, Oscar Mercado, Tyler Naquin, Friend Mule Reyes, Domingo Santana, and Bradley Zimmer. So you take five guys of your Terry Francona. I think Mercado's the biggest safety right there just because he's young, he's good, he was great for us last year. Then you go with the animal Friend Mule Reyes. They had him in left field today, and Francisco Lindor was actually ripping on him a lot because he's really bad at outfield, so hopefully in spring trading they can get him a little better at that. Then you take Domingo Santana for that third spot. You signed him. He's going to play in your outfield. The Indians are definitely looking to have Mercado in center, Reyes in left, and Santana in right, but we'll see what happens with that. Then you take Jordan Luplo, who's really good at hitting lefties. He's on the right side of the plate, dominated that last year, but kind of struggled versus righties, so we'll see how that goes. And then I think our fifth outfielder will be Delano Shields. The Indians traded for him for a reason. He's good at fielding, and I think he could ultimately make the team over someone like Greg Allen or Daniel Johnson or Jake Bowers. Daniel Johnson hasn't played yet, so I think they'll put him in AAA unless he has this amazing preseason.
1: I would agree. One person that a couple years ago was a big name that I do want to touch on really quick is Bradley Zimmer, who hasn't really lived up to expectations, been injured a lot, what are your, what's your outlook on him for this season?
0: Yeah, I really think Brad Zimmer will start in AAA this upcoming season, and depending on injuries, depending on trades, he could come up. Brad Zimmer just really needs to, one, stay healthy, and two, develop his hitting. He was supposed to be one of our best outfielders, him and Clint Frazier. We traded Clint Frazier in that Andrew Miller trade, and then Bradley Zimmer just really never turned out to be anything that good. But if he can get his hitting going, he's a phenomenal outfielder, phenomenal base stealer. I'd love to see it, but we'll see. The hitting is very important. Talking about injuries too, I failed to mention that Tyler Naquin is also in that 10-man spot, but he is recovering from a torn ACL, so the Indians will place him on the 60-day DL. So yes, he plays into the roster spot, but no, he will not be on the starting roster once opening day hits.
1: Yes, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think similar to the pitching situation, there's a lot of talent there. It's just gonna be a matter of who steps up.
0: There's um, there's more untapped talent there, I would say.
1: Right, I would agree. With, I would agree with that. So the opening game of the preseason is February twenty second.
0: This Saturday, baby.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll see how, how everyone bounces back from the off season and see who steps up.
0: All right, well, talking about the off season, let's hit on the Browns a little fast. So. We hired a head coach since the last time we talked, Kevin Stefanski. but we've really kind of talked about what we thought of him, Jack, and I have, and he's brought in supporting cast for himself, including Alex Van Pelt, who will be our new offensive coordinator. Jack, do you want to touch on him a little bit? Yeah, so
1: Alex Van Pelt is a guy who a lot of people didn't really know his name coming into this head coaching search, or the coaching search for the Browns, but he was Offensive coordinator in 2009 and then moved to quarterback coach in Green Bay from 2014 to 2017. In that span, Aaron Rodgers was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, maybe the best quarterback in the league. And I think the argument with that is, you know, how much of that was Aaron Rodgers versus Van Pelt. But no doubt that he uh, had success in Green Bay. He moves from Green Bay to the Bengals in 2018 and becomes their quarterback coach from 2018 to 2019.
0: And there wasn't much success with that besides besides the resurgence of Andy Dalton at the end of last season, you saw Van Pellet being able to work with him and kind of just bring him back to what he was when he came into the league
1: right and he, he was also a former player from 93 to 2003 so he has experience on the field which is always good for a quarterback coach. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of turns out he's definitely one of those guys where you know he doesn't have a ton of experience Especially in the role he's that... an
0: OC too.
1: Right, as an offensive coordinator. He doesn't have a ton of experience, but he definitely has some potential. Defensively, though, we hired Joe Woods from the 49ers. Do you want to talk about him
0: a little bit? Yeah, so the Browns brought in Joe Woods from the 49ers defensive staff. Robert sala the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, who the Browns were considering hiring, thought this was a great hire for the Browns. He would have loved to keep Woods. But he's been a defensive backs coach for the majority of his coaching career. He's coached all around the league as the defensive backs coach. But he was also the Broncos defensive coordinator from 2017 to 2018. And as we know, the Broncos have always had a stellar defense. They're good at rushing. They've had great pass coverage. And that could go to Joe Woods. He was also their DB coach, defensive back coach, during Super Bowl 50 where they won. And that was one of the most dominant defenses we have seen in a while. So... I think this is another good hire by the Browns. Obviously, you would have loved someone with more coordinator experience, but I don't think there was that many people that wanted to come here or with more experience. So I think this is a good one for the Browns.
1: Yeah, I definitely think I, I love the hire of Joe Woods probably more than I like the hire of Van Pelt, although I, I'm a fan of both of them. But Joe Woods, like you mentioned, has had success just about everywhere he's been and there's a lot of talk out of the Niners camp that they really wanted to hold on to Joe Woods but obviously the the lure of the defensive coordinator position pulled him away and honestly i mean it's it's a great hire i think because he brings all that that experience of he just came from the super bowl so he knows what it's like to win he was with the super bowl like you mentioned when the broncos had that insane defense and he's honestly just i think he can also lure potential free agents to, to the Browns, which could be helpful, as there's a lot of good free agent talent out there this year. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe Woods hire, and I, I hope that pans out.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do, especially with free agency. We'll have a special on that before free agency starts, March 18th. But I definitely think Joe Woods is a great hire, and hopefully he can get our defensive backs going again, especially like Denzel Ward and Grady Williams.
1: That's a huge thing. I think One of the underrated or the overrated parts of our team last year was our secondary, but underperforming. You know, Denzel didn't have a great year by his standards, I guess. And Greedy, obviously, he's very young. He's a lot of room to develop, but he also
0: had to live up to what we thought he could be.
1: So uh, I hope and obviously we know our safety situation is not great. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see us add more young talent throughout the secondary, Where and I think that's where a guy like Joe Woods can excel in developing that talent into perennial stardom.
0: Yep. I mean, that all sounds great. Hopefully he can. It would be huge for the Browns, especially their defense. And I think that's actually going to wrap it up for us, Jack.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I know it was a quicker episode, but... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Back. It's always a pleasure. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports podcast presented by Sibsports. We are officially on iTunes and Spotify and all podcasting platforms now, so you can find the show anywhere. Today's beat intro was made by copyright free music on YouTube. We'll have a link in the description to it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again and see you next time.